This weekend, we've set aside time as a nation to honor our veterans. And this was originally set up in 1918 at the end of World War I. The war ended the 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month. It was originally known as Armistice Day. Uh, we changed the name of that around 1958, I believe, and it became known as Veterans Day. It's a, it's a weekend. It ought to be an everyday event that we set aside as Americans to thank those that have faithfully served our nation. And so I know that many of you are in the room today, and this is one of those moments that the pastor gets to ask you to participate with me because I want us to see you. honor you. I was told to start with the branch that was the best. I didn't say that, but one declared it. And they had a birthday this week. If you served in the United States Marine Corps, would you stand so that we can see you? Ura, right back here. These two guys back here. Amen. For those of you that served in the branch where it absolutely positively had to be destroyed overnight, the U.S. Air Force, would you stand right now so that we could recognize you? Amen. Thank you. If you served in the U.S. Navy, would you please stand right now? Hallelujah. My man. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you. And how about the United States Army? Is anybody in the house today? Let me see you. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Hallelujah. About United States Coast Guard, are you here? Anybody in the house? Space Force. Listen to all of our veterans. I want to ask you collectively, would you veterans please stand today? Thank you so much for uh, the rest of us. The rest of us have never worn the uniform. We've never worn the uniform, but we want you to know that because you guys did wear the uniform, you serve. That's why we can wake up this morning and walk out and enjoy the coolness and the moisture in the air and sip a cup of coffee and not worry about our lives being in danger. Thank you so much. I pray that you would feel not just today or this weekend, but each and every day, may we never lose a heart of gratitude as a nation towards you. And I know that sometimes it's easy to be overlooked and for you to wonder, does anybody give a rip? We do. And uh, thank you for, for serving our nation, not just our nation, but nations around the world, right? Auguste, the U.S. military has been a blessing to so many. So we honor you. Church, can we show honor one more time today? Thank you.
Thank you so much. You can be seated. We want to let our veterans know that next Sunday is show and tell, so we need you to wear your uniform next Sunday so we can see it on you and what you look. Be hard. Those buttons just, they don't make them like they used to, do they, Swank? No, they don't. So anyway, but thank you guys so, so much for your service. I want to ask you a question today. You ready for this? Can you remember your first boyfriend or girlfriend? How many of you have never had a boyfriend or girlfriend? We can help with that. We got something called speed dating coming up. Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. You remember that first boyfriend or girlfriend you had? I do. I remember mine. Her name was Robin. I'm not going to mention the last name because it's on the internet now. She may search for me and say, "Mm." I was in the sixth grade. She was in the seventh grade. Yeah. Can you blame her? I mean, come on. Seriously. Now, listen, it's not how you start. It's how you finish, though, right? I would never. But I just knew as a sixth grader, whoa, she was the one. I'd found the girl of my dream as a 12-year-old. I hadn't started shaving yet, right? But you know, you remember that when you had that first boyfriend or girlfriend, you, 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 probably, you, you probably did some things to show that someone how much you care. You probably invested a lot of time and money into that relationship, right? And by the way, that's still for you married men in the house today that maybe investing time and money into the person you love might just go a long ways, even in this day and time, right? Amen. Amen. Ladies, you can thank me later. Um, But yeah, you invested a lot of time in your resources. I didn't have a lot of money as a sixth grader. How many of you remember the days, though, where you had a little income by collecting aluminum cans? Come on, somebody. Man, I would scour the neighborhood, pilfer through neighbors' trash cans. I mean, like a dumpster diver, you know, and I would just grab those cans and you crushed them. You put them in a trash bag and there used to be places where you could take that crushed aluminum and get a nickel for a pound or something like that, you know, or a ton, you'd get a dime or something like that. But the king of the world, I had a lot of money, bro. Derek Paul, man, and I was going to spend it on my girl. You know why? Because she's worth it. <laughs> Invested my money. Invest a lot of time. You spend a lot of time, do you not? And money on those things that are important to you. Won't you, Sammy? You'll do that, won't you? You, you th- th- those things that are a priority, those things that you love, those things that bring you what, if it is of anything to you, you will invest your time and money. Can I read some Bible to you guys this morning? Are you guys okay with the Word of God? I want to look in Matthew chapter 22. I love this this story, Jesus finds himself surrounded by a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees. There were a couple of groups that during Jesus's day and time that were constantly after him, trying to trip him up, trying to push him into a corner, trying to expose him because Jesus made some pretty radical claims about being the promised one or being the Messiah, being the one that people were looking to, to set things right. 
The religious leaders saw him as a threat. So they were constantly trying to set a trap to cause him to stumble and fall. Well, the Sadducees here in Matthew 22 have done their best to no avail. And so the Pharisees step into the picture here. And one of those leaders of the law step up in Matthew chapter 22 and beginning in verse 36, ask Jesus a question. Teacher, he said to Jesus, he's probably just kind of chiding him, poking fun. You know, you, you call yourself a teacher. We don't know if you really are, but teacher, as if, as if Jesus needed to be flattered. Teacher, what is, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now keep in mind, these guys tried to live according to over 600 laws, rules, regulations, things that they tried to check off so that, that surely if you live according to the rules, that means right living. Wow, every one of us would be doomed, wouldn't we? I struggle with them. This morning, it was, it was fun when I picked up Auguste from the hotel that some of the finest in Kendall County in the city of Bernie, our, our, our sheriff's deputies and police officers were having breakfast. And I went over, I knew those guys and were high-fiving and shaking hands. And my wife made eye contact with one of our deputies and she knew her. Because my wife had broken the law and that deputy had to remind her that you have to obey some things, right? It was a sweet reunion in there at the Bevy Hotel this morning over biscuits and gravy. It was amazing. 600. Which is the most important? Where do you start? Where, 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 where do you start with that? Well, how many of you know that Jesus knows some stuff? Come on, somebody. First of all, I love that Jesus takes all of those 600 plus and look what he does. He makes it about two. Look what he says. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Annie, you make, is this making sense so far? But then Jesus goes on to say, but, but there is a second one that is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm no deep theologian. I've had one too many hits to my head. But even I can understand this. That Jesus says, if something is important to you, you're going to make time for that. Jesus says that whatever you have placed on that pedestal as a priority, just as I placed a relationship as a sixth grader on a pedestal in front of me, Jesus says, you give it all of you. Today, we're going to continue in this series called Paradox. Remember what a paradox is. A paradox is, is something that doesn't seem to really make sense or be true, but when you really begin to test it and you dive into it, it really does make sense. Remember the illustration of Flex Seal? How you can just spray Flex Seal on the SS Minnow and it'll cover up that hole and that vessel would float, Right? surely would solve everything. Jesus is sharing with us today a paradox 
that I want to challenge and spend some time with you on today in relation to the same two things that we spend a lot of our time with when it comes to maybe a dating relationship, time and finances, time and finances. That's a paradox today because as we look at God's word, it just doesn't make sense as to what he says. But today is another one of those discipleship moments. Today is the day that I want us to understand what would it look like if we loved God with all of us? That if I could somehow get to this place in my life where, where I gave him everything I have with my time, maybe my talents and the gifts and abilities I have. And, and what about if I use my finances to prove to him also that he means the world to me. Time in your finances. In fact, I believe that today, if we can somehow get a clear picture as to what God's word says, not what a man says, but what God's word says, when it comes to our time and our finances, I can't help but think that for a lot of us, some of the worries we're carrying around today some of those thoughts of really not making a significant contribution in the world around us, those things will dissipate if we can wrap our minds around what it means to love God with all of us. There's a passage also in the book of Psalm chapter um, 92, or excuse me, 90 verse 12. In Psalm chapter 90 verse 12, look what it says. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Guys, our days are numbered. Time is a valuable resource. We all have the same amount of it. Today, we're here. What will we do with the time afforded to us? Let me just start with that question. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We know that life is short. None of us are guaranteed another moment, right? None of us are. What will we do with the time in front of us? Can I ask you a question? Do you spend time with God? I think we just have to start there today. Do you spend time with God? <clears throat> it happens to me and it happens every Sunday morning before I come out and begin to preach. My, my phone gives me an alert as to how much time I've spent on social media throughout the week. How many of you get those alerts? Does it ever hurt some of you? Are you kidding me? I spent that amount of time. I was watching a news report this last week on a, on, on a nationwide broadcast of a teenager. And there are a lot of teenagers now that are understanding how technology has sucked them in and they're spending so much of their time looking at a device. This young girl said, at the rate I'm using technology currently, daily, by the time my life ends, I will have spent 47 years of my lifetime looking at a device. Do you spend time with God? How do you spend your time? But more importantly, do you spend it with him? It's a big deal. And we can't get it back once it's gone, can we? Wow. If I love God with all my, what am I doing with my time to show him. Now, listen, a couple of weeks ago, I challenged you with this. And before we move on, I just want to remind you this. We challenged you about serving in this house in some form or fashion. 
That, hey, this morning, we, we, in the first service, we, we prayed over nine different families today as they dedicated their children to the Lord. Amen? We prayed over them, and Rachel challenged them from the Word of God, and, and then I prayed a blessing over them. We as a church stood up, and we reached our hands to the front, and we prayed over them, right? We prayed that, that God would raise them up in a God. But listen, it takes people to, to invest in those children, I challenge the church that we have a role to play when it comes to those kids and how they grow and what, listen, how are you serving in this house? What are you doing with your time that's going to make a difference in the long run? I prayed it just a few minutes ago that even through our finances, some of us, the finances we give, right? We are making investments, deposits in young people's lives, kids carrying river rocks. I don't know what your kids do in their free time. They're probably not doing that, are they? But we never know the investment with our time, how that's going to pay off. And some of those kids seeing us in heaven one day in front of Jesus. Wow. But let's talk about finances because I know that that is one of the number one causes of worry for so many of us listening today. We know that it's one of the the number one factors in marital issues, fighting over finances. You know, Uh, there's another package again at the front door, honey. And I use that. That goes both ways, right? It's some of you are getting ready. We're getting ready for the holidays. Don't put it on a credit card because come January, February, you're going to be hurting. What seems pleasant in the moment. In fact, I asked you a question a couple of weeks ago. How much money would it take to make you happy? You remember me asking you that question? Man, if I could just hit it big, if I win the Powerball, that's real. It won't. It's just going to add more worries and struggles to your life. Right? Solomon, we looked at what he said. He said, listen, there's more to it than that. You can have it all, but still not have anything, right? Right? How much money would it take to really make it? We think that if we just had more money, But what if your heart's not in the right place? I'm telling you, the worries and anxieties that we carry is because you know what happens? We spend way too much. It's not that we don't have it. We're just spending more than we have. So it's not about having more, but it's how can we use it and show God that he's first, even with our finances. Here's the paradox I want you to see today. Return to the Lord the first. I think we have that slide, gentlemen. Return to the Lord the first. A portion of what you make before you do anything else with your money. And here's the paradox. Because the paradox in our culture says, if you want more, you better hang on to it. Don't give it out. As it comes in, hang on to it. Those little kids that we prayed over today, Rachel said, they are a reward from God. Sometimes we don't feel that way towards them, do we? But they're a reward. But you know what every one of those little kids have in common? There is one thing that none of us in this room or their parents will ever have to teach those little kids. There's one word. It's the word mine. You ever seen that? None of us parents ever teach our kids, okay, now listen, you're six months old. At seven, 
I need you to just hang on to everything. You throw elbows, you throw hands. If anybody ever comes to take your, listen, I have a golden doodle named Bear. And his niece came over to play last weekend. Her name is Piper. Now, I've, Bear has 50 dog toys in my living room. If you come over for dinner, there's a good chance you're going to step on something that squeaks. All right? But when Piper picked up one of Bear's toys, there's 49 others on the floor, but that one is his. It's mine. It's got my smell, my saliva on it. Don't you dare. You're my niece, but I'm telling you, I will take my belt off right now. And we, you know what I'm saying? We're like that, aren't we? It's mine. No one's going to tell me. You better not take mine. Guys, God's economy doesn't work that way. I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to say it again. Scripture says, if you want more, give more. But today, I want to challenge you, return the first. Return your best of what you make to the Lord and watch him open up heavens on you. Now, listen, I don't want you just to take my word for it today. And so I've asked someone to come and share their own personal story about this very thing. Tom Dunaway, would you come today and share with us your experience with this? Thank you very much. This is something that's very important to me, and, and I wish that everybody could get a grasp of this, and it's first fruits. And it's something that's throughout the Bible from the beginning of time. Everybody used to always give the first 10% of their grain or whatever they made, and that was their currency. Well, our currency is what we earn. And God still wants that. And truth is, it's all God's. But what he wants us to do is honor him with our first 10% by giving the first 10% to him. And when Sean and I were very young and first got married 30 years ago, hey. uh, we, we decided that we wanted to tithe. And we went to a church that used to have the argument, do you tithe on the net or the gross? And the argument was, well, do you want to be blessed on the net or the gross? Mm. But the reality is, is if you, don't, if you tithe on the net, you're giving the government the first fruits. And so we would tithe on the gross. And so what we did through our employers is we made arrangements where they would send 10% of our earnings, each paycheck, directly to the church. And so that way we felt like we were honoring God with the first fruits. And I understand to a lot of people that sounds really hard because you don't have an extra 10%. And there were months where that 90% didn't stretch for us mm. and we had to make decisions. But we never used credit and we did follow Dave Ramsey. And we, uh, for many, many years, we would get, dole out our cash and would spend our cash. But I, what I'm telling you is that by giving that first 10%, that the Lord will bless you. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of pastors are very scared to say that he will bless you financially, but he's gonna bless you in a lot of ways. And over 30 years, it will be everything from family to finances, to raises, to promotions. Mm. I remember we had one situation where people were talking in church like, oh, you know, I started tithing. I got this check I wasn't expecting. And I thought, okay, no way. If somebody owes me money, I know it. And lo and behold, at one point in our, in our lives, that happened to us. We're wow. like going, wow, this really does work sometimes. Mm. So in Malachi, the Bible says, God challenges you that if you give 10%, he will bless the other 90%, mm. okay? Which to me implies that if it's not blessed, it's cursed. So you can live off 90% that's blessed, or you can live off 100% that's cursed. Wow, yeah. 
That's the big question is how much should I give? And those of you that have been around a setting like this would expect a pastor to say, well, you need to give 10%. You need to give a tithe. That word tithe means a 10th. And just real quick, as we look back in the Old Testament, we do know, and Tom is absolutely correct, that, that, that they were, one of the laws that they lived by was to bring the first 10%. Now, they did give a 10th of their land, maybe, a 10th of the seed. Some of them would give that first and best 10th of produce from a tree. They would give the best and the first 10th of maybe their wine or their oil, or even their herds that they owned. But they understood what you said, the blessing, that if I bring my first 10% tithe and my best to God, well, the promise is, and you don't have this, but we read this last time, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, this is the promise of the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the, here it is, Tom, the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Listen, I, we, we, we can't do away with the Old Testament, but listen, it ought to inspire us to want to follow through with the things that we see throughout God's word that were uh, standards for his people. If you were to ask me, I would say a tithe. I'm an old baseball player, very old and out of shape. But even I, listen, the tithe for me is like getting to first base. I don't want to stay at first base because I know that that's not the best. Second is better. Third is best. And man, if I hit a home run and score for the team, that's the best, right? For to me, that's just the starting point. I, I, I want to do, to me, that's bare minimum and I want to give to the Lord, right? Now, I don't want you to give begrudgingly, and I don't want you to give just because I said that, but in the Old Testament ought to inspire us. Let's say we're New Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. The Bible has an Old and a New Testament, right? For those of us who are in Christ, right? We're, we're New Testament believers. We're in him. You will not find, here you go, keyboard warriors, get ready to send me the hate mail. You will not find in the New Testament the command to tithe, but you will find to give, and you'll find words associated with it sacrificially, generously, right? Um, fully, happily, cheerfully. In fact, look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. In, 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 in the Greek word, there's, there's the word hilaros, and we get our English word hilarious. What, 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 the, what the, Paul is saying to us is, hey, God wants us to give so much that it's, a, it's hilarious, that we just laugh about, and we give so much that people don't understand or why in the world you would give hilarious, right? Give cheerfully. Give one. Now, for some of you, you're not given anything. In fact, you know how most of us live? We, we, we keep ours and we, 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 we live off of, of the 99%, excuse me, the 199% that we make, right? And, and if we have a little bit left, we're going to save it. And very few in America today, especially within the church, give anything to kingdom work. 
We've got it flipped. We've got it upside down. You, you, you know who people are the most joyful in life and, and people who have less anxiety and worries? They flip it. They understand this paradox. They understand that people who give more first, who then pay themselves next savings, then live on the rest. Those people tend to be the most satisfied people in our world today. But we live opposite of this, right? We're, we're, we're not returning to the Lord, the first and the best. Uh, to steal from our brother Dave Ramsey, you already used him, so I'm just going to go there. You, you know, I, 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 Dave Ramsey and, and others, I feel like I'm at a Tony Robbins conference right now or something, or just kind of, I want you to be happy and feel good, and you can if you'll just smile. And anyway, but nothing against Tony Robbins. He's encouraged a lot of people. Uh, but, but what if you begin to take the first and the best, your first 10. Now, for some of you who aren't giving any, 5% might be the best place for you to start. Might be a sacrifice. For some of you, 10%'s not enough. What did he just say? Yeah, for some of you, 5% might be the best place for you to start. But for some of you, 10% might not be enough. What? Because it might not be a sacrifice for you. You know? Oh, I so want to go to the widow's story. It's not in my script, but okay, let me see if I can find it. Come on, Lord, speak right now. Your servant is listening. Mark, somebody Google Wikipedia. Mark 12. Mark 12. Hey, listen to this. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and he watched the crowds drop in their money. Okay, so that's me going to these red boxes here. And I'm just going to pull up a chair. Hey, Randy, y'all, don't, don't follow me, camera, because it's bad. The iris is off and all that good stuff. But y'all get what? We got red box right here. I want to sit here today. This is Jesus. I'm just going to watch what y'all put in this thing today. Is that all right? Anybody getting squirmy? Funny? People get funny when you talk about money. Jesus is sitting by the red box in the temple one day. I'm not making this up. That's Mark 12. That's Bible. Jesus says to sit. <laughs> Come on. Jesus is bad, dude. He was bad. If I wasn't in church, I'd put some. He's bad. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. But then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, hey, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So for some of you, 5% might be a stretch. 5% is better than 0%. I'm no mathematician. But for some of you, 10 might not be enough. This lady gave everything. Rewind the tape. Matthew 22, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all all your strength. He didn't say a tenth or 5%. 
In fact, I don't remember Jesus going to the cross saying, you know what? I'm just going to drop a few droplets of blood. Or hey, you Roman soldiers, give me the scourging. But hey, let's cut it back. I just want 10% of it. Now, I'm not trying to joke about that. But let me just remind you that we have a generous, gracious God in heaven who gave his very, uh, hey, and God didn't have 10 sons and asked for just one. He gave his one and only son. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Wow. Gave it all. New Testament. No specific command to tithe, but you find commands to give generously, give joyfully, give without pressure, give sacrificially, give regularly. You're going to find that command over and over and over. So just wrap this up. It's time to go. I want the full blessing of God. And I want to receive all, does any of you just say, hey, God, would you just give me just 5%? Just give me, hey, we're we're having Thanksgiving and hey, I just need 5% would just be that green bean casserole for the meal. We're just going to eat green bean casserole Thanksgiving. First of all, I don't know why anybody would do that. With that French onion stuff on top, no way. It's a texture thing for me. It's disgusting, okay? I know some of y'all so good. Look, he's leaving right now. I just offended him. Now, we want a full meal Thanksgiving, full meal deal, right? We want it all. And I'm just wondering if for some of us, maybe we're not walking in the full blessing of God because we rob him. We don't return to him what is rightfully his. I'm just just thinking with you out loud, but I think I'm using scripture. And so, what would it look like for us to look like Jesus, be like Jesus, emulate him, and start to give our time and our finances in a way that shows him you're first? Can I talk to you? Some of us are spending more money on club sports than we give to kingdom work. Some of us are spending more time in a deer stand than we are in kids ministry serving or in the house of God. Some of us are storing up for a rainy day or kids' college tuition. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I told you, 10, 10, 80. Hey, give God the first 10. You say, you pay yourself the next 10 and you ought to live on the remaining 80%. Go out, enjoy it. Live on 80% of what you have, not 199% of it. What would happen if we begin to get ourselves in line biblically with what God says about our time and our finances. Hey, and young people, this is for you too. We're we're trying to give you a solid and help you out right now as well. Listen, there were a time in my life, I told you guys this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm embarrassed about it, but I want to be transparent about it. There were times in which we had made a move to another part of the country that was astronomically more expensive to live in. Where are you, West Coast? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, John? 
and we like, golly, we just got to have milk in the house. Or man, we just, we have to have cable. We have to have a four by four because it snows out here every once in a while. And we begin to rob God. And am I telling the truth? Did it cause a lot of stuff here? It did. It wasn't worth it, was it? I'm going to give you a challenge. You guys okay with that? Can I challenge you? Some of y'all are like, please shut up. Give us a challenge so we can leave. I got a challenge for you for the next seven weeks. Say seven. Seven weeks left in this calendar year. I want to challenge you for the next seven weeks to do some things God's way and watch. the. Be- now listen, the best is not necessarily going to be a big fat cash flow in your bank account. But Tom said it could happen. And I believe that with my God, all things are possible. But I don't want you to think that way. If I just give more, I'm going to get more money in my bank account. You got to stop that. Okay? That's prosperity gospel. And you got to stop thinking that way. If God wants to bless you with a new car, so be it. And I've seen him do it. If he wants to give you an airplane swing, he can do that. You believe that? But if he wants to give you peace and joy in this traumatic season, if he wants a relationship in your life restored and renewed, I'm telling you, he can do that and more. Are we okay with the more I'm talking about right now? Okay. But I'm going to give you a seven weeks challenge. Number one, we've talked. I want you to spend time with God for 15 minutes a day for the next seven weeks. Seven weeks times seven days is 49 days. Listen, and church doesn't count. I'm talking about you spending personal time with God in the Word and in prayer. You're not watching Joyce Meyer on TV, although there's nothing wrong with that. You're not listening to Stephen Furtick on a podcast. You are with the Lord in the Word and in prayer. Can we do that? 15 minutes a day for seven weeks and watch some stuff happen. Secondly, I want you to begin to serve for the next seven weeks in this house and outside of this house. I want you to serve in this house. Come on. Do we believe that Jesus is worth giving people an opportunity to be introduced to? Do we believe that kids need to hear about Jesus? Do we believe that teenagers need Jesus? Do we believe that moms and dads need? We do. Listen, I want to challenge you to begin to serve in this house. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and and, and this is where you worship, you need to be serving here. We need you. And it's called laziness on your part. Send me the email. I'd love to have a conversation with you. But you need to. Hey, and by the way, you know what it was like when you were growing up at your house? Everybody had a role to play, right? And when you didn't play that role, what happened? Boy, go lay across the bed. Or hey, go out back, go out front and you pick your own beating device. How many of your grandparents used to whip you with a, a tool that you chose from the tree? <laughs> Gary, yeah. It worked for you. You just know that when you serve, listen, we're going to have people in our house for Thanksgiving. And you know that a lot of you are going to carry the brunt and weight of cooking and preparing the meal and most of the cleaning up. You know how you feel about that brother or sister or nephew or whatever that comes and just eats your food and does nothing to help out. Right? Carl, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's rude. I think God's saying it's rude. 
When my children, who've been the recipients of everything that they have, when I've planted gifts and talents and abilities within you, or a story to tell like Tom Dunham, and you do nothing with it, I think God in heaven is saying, that's just downright rude. You ought to serve, and you ought to look for a place to serve out. Hey, our community, hope dealers, our word for the year is hope. We have the hope that our culture needs, and we ought to be out in our neighborhood. Hey, you upset about your HOA? Get involved. You torqued off about what's happening at school? Run for school board or get involved. Hey, you, 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 you wanna, you've got to do something. Let's look for an area to serve. I wanna encourage you to stop by in this hallway out here. We've got a door up with 250 something postcards on it. People saying, this is what I'm gonna do to bring hope to an area. I wanna step into our law enforcement area. I wanna deal with mental health issues with our veterans. Hey, I wanna be this at our kids' school bringing hope. So you're going to run today to the info and resource areas and you're going to become a leader. You're going to serve because that's what we're called to do. So I'm going to spend time with God 15 minutes today for the next seven weeks. I'm going to serve in this house and outside this house for the next seven weeks. And thirdly, I'm going to give biblically. Do we have that slide? I'm going to give biblically. Last slide. Yes, for the next seven weeks. I want you to increase the percentage of your giving. If it's zero, you can at least do one or two. You can do something. You can do something. Maybe start at 10. For every, every $7, at 70 cents. Come on, somebody. Give up a Starbucks drink this week every day. Can you do that? You drink three a day. Or if you're a Keurig person, oh, excuse me, you Nespresso people, that's an expensive pod. Cut back, Jack. Or Jill, cut back. You can give something. Am I making sense to anybody? Hey, hey, mow your own yard for the next seven weeks instead of paying somebody. That's 40 bucks, 50 bucks, 60 bucks. All right, I'll mow it for free. I'll mow it. I love to mow. I'll mow your yard. And you give that to the house of the Lord. I'll do it. I'll do that. Increase that percentage of giving. Or you can say, like those little babies on the platform, it's mine. Nope. Doesn't make sense to if I want more to give it back. No. Return to the Lord a portion of what you make before you do anything else with your money. Stand up with me today. You guys are awesome. Thanks for being long-suffering and patient. Ministry team, will you come stand down front with the preacher today? I want you to know today that God is in this house. And there is nothing impossible for him. Hey, those of you that are watching us online right now, if there is a prayer concern or need that you're facing right now in life, hey, would you just send us something in the chat bar? We want to pray over that. You've heard stories today of healing from Auguste. You've seen stories today of healing in Randy. And I'm telling you, whatever you're going through today, there is a healing God 
in this house. And he is more than able to step into your situation. And he's more than adequate to meet your needs. Lord, I pray today that we would understand that you want us to put you first and foremost on that pedestal that stands the tallest in our lives. Lord, you want us to love you with all that we are and all that we have. We make those declarations when we stand and exchange our wedding vows. We make those commitments one to another. But God, we, we cheat on you because we don't give you everything. Some of us aren't even giving you leftovers or scraps. Please forgive us, God. God, I pray that today you would awaken your church to what does it look like when we give our time and our finances for the king to use. Boys and girls hear about Jesus when we serve. People are greeted and welcomed and there's a cup of coffee for us on a cold Sunday morning. There's a stranger that greets us and welcomes us and says hello. And there's a band that plays and leads us in worship. And there's a tech crew that turns on lights and gives us words on a screen so that we can worship you. Lord, people that serve, they're investing their time. And Lord, when we give our finances, well, we're, we're able to partner with with a, a, a Bible school president who's raising up students to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. We're helping, helping kids as they dig for river walk and they're going to build buildings. Lord, we're making a difference there when we give with our finances. It all is important in your economy, Lord. And Father, forgive us for not bringing you the first and the best. Lord, would you awaken us to how we can honor you with our time and our finances. Lord, today for the person here that's never said yes to Jesus, I pray that the thing that hit with them most was how generous a God you are. When you gave your one and only son, he died, he gave up his life so that we could have a life here on earth. And I pray that today, that as other people are leaving this room, that a person who's never said yes to Jesus would run to the front and tell one of my friends behind me, hey, listen, I want Jesus. I want to surrender my life to him. I want to give him control. I want to make him my Lord. Lord, as we leave here today, we go on your power and your strength and use us in the dark corners of our culture to shine the light. We will not be quiet, but we will be a city set on a hill that shines light to everyone around us. We will be hope dealers. All for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.